0: Welcome to Season 5 of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise in facilitating leadership education, training, and development. Interested in keeping up with the latest conversations across the leadership discipline? Want to add more to your resource toolbox with practical strategies for teaching, learning, and program design without changing your routine? This is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Hello and welcome to the Leadership Educator Podcast. I'm Dan Jenkins, Chair and Associate Professor of Leadership and Organizational Studies at the University of Southern Maine.
1: And I am Lauren Bullock, Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple University, and we're both thrilled today about our podcast episode. So this season, if you haven't listened to any episodes yet, uh, we're looking at leadership from a global perspective. We've talked a lot about leadership both in the U.S. and outside, but this time around, we're intentionally featuring leadership educators from Europe, Africa, Australia, and Asia. We're joined today by Dr. Azadeh Davare, an executive leadership coach. Welcome to the show, Azadeh.
2: Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here and to be joining my ILA family once again.
0: I'm so excited that you agreed to do this, Azadeh. I uh, was just so pleased to get to know you over the last two years as as part of the Leadership Education Academy as, as one of our facilitators. And and I remember when your when your application came through, which now seems like gosh with COVID, everything seems like it's stretched. Like just I guess it was just over two years ago when we were looking for facilitators for what would have been the 2020 version of of LEA and I thought, what what an interesting combination of experiences and 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 your and your background and from uh, from Iran originally, which we definitely want a little bit more about, and, and then your work with the Center for Creative Leadership. And I was just coming off of a sabbatical working with the CCL, and we had two facilitators uh, previously that were part of our LEA team, uh, Todd Deal and uh, Preston Yarbrough, that were working with, with CCL with in the higher education initiatives area. And just you know, it was a great opportunity not only to keep the keep the CCL blood going through uh, LEA <laughs> LA because we always learn so much from the things that that organization um, is doing and that what the uh, what the trainers and the coaches and and some of the, the adjunct faculty and affiliate faculty uh, bring to to the mix because they're y'all are always challenging us in in higher education and I know you do a little bit of both um, but it's so great when we're able to get that nice the different types of, of leadership education leadership development and training and and what have you that, that goes on. And it's just been, like I said, a joy to to work with you and to learn from you um, from the last couple of years. And, and you always, you always challenge, you challenge our team to always think, just think differently. And to, and to, and oftentimes just to take a breath and to, and to, and to reflect a little bit and to make sure we were, you know, at peace with our ourselves, our identity and with our meaning making. So I always, always love that about, uh, about the presence that you brought and, always bringing your whole self to everything so and and I yeah. you know I feel like I've gotten to know you you know a little bit over the last couple of years but um for those for our listeners that don't know you that well would you please share just a little bit about yourself with uh, with our sure. listeners?
2: thank you so much for saying all those really kind things about me uh um a little background um about me, I'm, as you said, I'm an executive leadership coach. I do a lot of leadership consulting and training with Center for Creative Leadership, also in other capacities. Um, I, In my work, I get to consult with um, very small to very large organizations, all the way from a local nonprofit here in San Diego, where I'm based, all the way to UN agencies. And, um, and the one thing I do, I I wear many hats um, in my my work and in my life. But the one thing that stays um, clear is that I want to always be committed to what I call my calling or what is very much connected to my heart and to my soul and that's social justice. So I think that's the core of no matter what I do, what I bring to the room and what I'm hoping to at least bring to the room. um, In whatever capacity, that i can no one is perfect but every day i think i'm just trying and just to give you a little more background i do believe that leadership starts from within and i um always call out the leadership from inside out and to give you a little perspective of um who i am i am azadeh i uh, my name is a persian name meaning somebody who is free like a free spirit and i think i started embody that meaning and that name by starting traveling around the world and finding out that traveling and discovering different cultures and different people um, was such a humbling experience because the more um, I explored, I figured the less I know. Um, And my leadership um, journey started years and years ago when I started as a very young graduate in food science and technology engineering back in Iran. Um, Soon after I I joined the workforce, I realized that many graduates, young graduates, are women. But not enough women are in the positions of power. Not enough women are in the rooms that um, they can make decisions. Um, I was hoping that I could do something about that. I was um, relatively very young and somehow naive, but I started finding different leadership programs, and I started visiting with a nutrition leadership programs. I started with um, Southeast Asian program, which was based in Jakarta, Indonesia, and the following year, I visited European nutrition leadership program in Luxembourg, and Many soon after that, I um, initiated Iranian Food and Nutrition Leadership Program in Iran with the hope and dream that I can empower more women like myself. After a couple of years, that program ended up with more than 400 alumni. I made great partnerships at universities, at the National Research Institute, with many people in the field, men and women who got on board to create something like that. It was like a movement and I'm still, it's hard to believe, but I'm still in touch with many of the graduates from that program. And back then I thought I'm empowering them to add something to um, their personal and professional life, not knowing that what I got out of that experience was being empowered myself and understanding the reason behind why I'm thinking of this whole women empowerment is because I really wanna empower myself. I wanna learn and I wanna practice how to use my own voice when it's hard, when my heart starts beating and I feel my cheeks are red and it's hard to talk and it's hard to use my own voice in whatever I do believe, right? Um, And then a couple of years later, I started reaching out to some international organizations um, who had some base or some workforce in Iran, such as UN, WHO, the World Health uh, Organization, FAO. And we created a series of workshops that was basically the same program, food and nutrition um, leadership program, but, but was in Middle East region. So we expanded that program and we invited different people who were in with a nutrition and health sector, um, but from different countries in Middle East. And that was um, basically based on a hope and dream and a goal that we could bring all these people together to create a shared vision, to to really build a dialogue and how we can start um, communicating one another without really competing, but Basically, being in one room and talking about cultural understanding, talking about our own challenges in our own very specific ways and how we can enrich that conversation by helping one another. And that, um, again, it in its own was, was a very humbling and um, empowering experience for me. Um, and then since then, so how I'm here and what I'm doing here, this whole connection through life happened. And I was looking, um, I was a scientist. I was doing, I informally, I got trained to be a leadership coach, but I was also hoping that I could get some formal education in leadership. And then I found this magical program in the magical Honolulu <laughs> that was uh, the program was asia pacific leadership program and i um and i left iran for hawaii um, which was like a dream and i ended up working with 40 um, different fellows in my program from 21 different countries and that was i think the beginning of a cultural lesson or a cultural course for me just to be able to live with those people and um and study with them and work with them work on different projects go out to have dinner with them um dance with them cry with them laugh with them right go biking hiking all those things and that i i think that year and studying in honolulu was um really a milestone that i realized i that cultural perspective in leadership matters diversity matters, and how inclusive leadership, no matter what we do, should be the core of um, leadership conversations and leadership educations. Hey, let me just jump in there because you shared so much great stuff
1: with us in that first, first question. And I just, before you jump into the inclusive leadership, because we do want to talk about that, but I want to ask you, can you explain just a little bit more about this nutritional
2: leadership program? sure yes um so this program was um we designed it so i created a core faculty um group and we designed the program um really based on a very basic leadership understanding what um in most of leadership courses we would cover but it was very far, far from the usual conversation that in science environments or in engineering environments, or you know, like all those um different sectors don't get to have the opportunities to have these kind of conversations. We uh, we started with um again, as I said at the beginning, we started with leadership from inside out and focusing on the person um who is enrolled before taking a look at the role. So we started from within, we talked about um, vision, identity, so personal identity, social identity, how that creates our own perspective. Um, basically, when we show up at work, no matter if it's in a lab or if it's a agricultural ministry or um, any other national institute or private sector, when we show up to the work, who shows up with us? And what kind of perceptions, values, cultural beliefs, all of those things comes when we show up. So the basic and the foundation part of that program was around self-leadership. And then we had another part, um, which was interpersonal communication, team building, creating groups, and how we can... um, intersectional having the most effective communication and collaboration which was great because food and nutrition was just such an interdisciplinary field and people from all sorts of background had something to do with it and then finally we wrapped up the program with some policy um organizational perspective bigger picture how we can have an impact at the societal level so from from person all the way to society, um, we designed the program that way, and um, it, I, I think it was great. It it is still a model that we use for many organizations, even now up to date. And and I'm really um, that feels like the first child, a feeling of you know like you your first child graduates and how proud you are. For me, when I look back, I think um, we had a pretty good. Design for the program. That sounds
1: incredibly interesting, especially when you said that, um, you know, it's a different conversation than uh, normally, than we normally have when we talk about healthcare. Cause we think doctors, nurses, you know, hospital leadership, things like that. But nutrition is such an important part of our everyday lives. And to have that discussion all the way from like your own nutrition, like your own yourself and your health, all the way up to how does it impact our society? It's so, so amazing. Um, Can you talk a little bit about like, did any research come out of this or like, you know, you talked a lot about the practical, but were there any publications or like, can we read about this
2: somewhere? Um, Actually, as as, um, a research that came out of my own first master's um, degree in Iran, I um, have some publication, I can send you a link on that. I do have some publication in Farsi and in English both. And then um, not necessarily about the nutrition leadership program, but my own um, PhD dissertation was around Iranian Iranian leadership ideals. um, And that was a culturally based leadership approach. I was interested in looking at um, one culture, for example, I'm not saying that that culture has is the only culture that has, um, contribution to leadership, but I was really interested in looking at what are some of the cultural aspects of leadership, how it might be different from one continent to another, from one tradition to another, from one cultural belief to another, how we sometimes even idealize some of those leadership aspects. Um, so I, my dissertation is also like the whole publication is about that.
1: I feel like your link should be in our show notes simply because, like that's our theme this season, right? Just how can we uncover some more of the the good that's happening outside our work in the u s? But yeah, we can definitely put your your link in the show notes,
0: definitely. And other I'm curious where you were kind of heading down that that path around some of the, I guess, distinctions that you kind of picked up on from your time in Iran and developing, leaders through this nutrition program and then coming through uh, to the states via Honolulu and then eventually ending up in California what were some of the differences that you picked up on around if if there are any that really come to mind between how leadership culturally is understood i guess in the Ura- in Iran versus the US and, and maybe too how leaders are developed in those two countries
2: i mean instead of comparing the two only the two culture which would limit this conversation, let me compare a more general perspective of how from all different cultures um, it matters and it's different. Uh, Most of the books and articles and things that we used to read at least are basically very um, much based on Western understanding of, of leadership and of culture. And in many different parts of the world, you know, this whole concept of um, individualism doesn't exist as much, or um, there is a different um, there is a different understanding and um, and value system for some traditions for generations, I would say, for even as simple as how you talk to elder people, right? It's uh, Japanese are doing different than Chinese and Chinese are probably doing different than Iranians and um, Dutch and American and Canadian. So uh, there are all these different layers because, and I can't possibly even represent somebody who is just from Iran because I consider myself such a global citizen. From a young age, I started traveling and it's like, I'm never American enough or Iranian enough. And I say that because we are all some somewhere in between and there are all these minimal um, places that we exist it's hard to be defined. And I think the one thing that I've learned is to respect and to understand that minimal spaces that we all exist. Um, And just try to connect with that, um, to see how I can observe, see, understand the world from a different perspective, from somebody who don't look like me, but also don't think like me and how I can still be respectful of that and um also looking at my own perceptions and how limited that could be and what kind of biases comes with it and how um how i'm also responsible in creating injustice so um So I'm saying all that because even within the study of my own culture, what I found was a lot of limiting factors that it's hard for people to see beyond their own bubbles and beyond their own ideals and see what else they could respect and what else they could be or become. Um, So maybe if that's a good answer to what you were looking for, but (laughs) that's at least what I've learned.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I was, smiling. I was smiling inside while you were responding because I, I, when that question came out of my mouth, I almost couldn't imagine you answering the question that I asked. I imagined right away that, that you would say, well, how could I possibly compare just these two apples and oranges when there are so many fruits all, all over this this planet? And particularly because of the experiences that you've had, not only, in you mentioned in, in Honolulu, interacting with what you see people from 22 different countries or, or what have you, but it, it's so important to how we Teach leadership and how we develop leaders and leadership educators in the spaces that you and I have have worked in together. And in even that event, which we had, you know, between somewhere between sixty and eighty participants, but well, we had people from twelve different countries just just participating there. And I know that that ILA is looking, gosh, they're they're somewhere between like eighty and hundred countries represented now, and their and their membership. When because we had uh, Sherry on president of the ILA a few a few weeks ago, and it's just amazing to see how globalized leadership has become not that there hasn't always been leaders across the globe, but we're talking about it with each other and and having conversations like this and I think that's that's so that's so special and I'm curious so you you had talked about inclusive leadership and so I I really I see you just like it, living that and and when you think of leadership on a global stage or at a global perspective, it's so big it's so massive but we still have to be inclusive in thinking about well, Yes, you're going to approach it this way. Or you mentioned that, you know, in Japan, the, there might be cultural aspects or, or things that have to do with language. Or I think about like the globe studies and, and communication patterns that we have, but we're all in this together. What are some things about that that you feel might be important to share?
2: I think what's really important is um, it's very complex. You're right it's just all these different levels of complexities around who we are and how we show up in the world and what kind of power and privilege we have. If, um, what, what kind of social groups we belong to how we interact all of those things. But at the end of the day, it's also very simple because we are all human being and we all share the spirit of human being, the, um, the mind, the body, the heart, everything that that comes with it. And, and you mentioned showing as a whole self. And I think how um if we if we can show up as our whole selves, we can be very um more connected than we can even imagine. And our, our whole self um, includes everything, it just doesn't include um. The precious degrees we hold or all our success stories it also includes um all the shame all the guilt all the trauma all the shadow everything and everything that somehow creates us and um, makes us whole i am reminded of um of this philosophy and art from Japanese culture that they call kintsugi, and I I used to I I, I used to um, run a workshop in community leadership program on kintsuki art, and that's um, you probably heard of that. But if you haven't, kintsugi art and philosophy talks about when something um, when 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 you have an artifact or a bowl or a cup, and when it's broken, you don't get rid of it. You put all the pieces back together with glitter, with gold dust, and you just put it back together somehow, all the broken pieces and make it whole again. And that whole, it doesn't look the same as it was before it got broken, but it looks more beautiful and more precious. So in my work, in my personal and my um, my external work with other people, what I believe is that we can really hold on to our own broken pieces, our shadow work, whatever it takes for us as leadership educators to go through authentic work of a leader so we can show up for each other, for other people as a whole, and hold a space that is psychologically safe, that is respectful of other opinion, other identities that we may or may not even know or realize The preciousness of it. Um, So, yeah, I'm just trying to hold my own broken pieces and show up with the biggest smile if I can. (laughs) you know what a what
1: a wonderful activity and explanation of you know kind of how you have these conversations around inclusive leadership so i teach a grad class here at my university around that and it, and students kind of come in wanting to know like the right answers or like how do i how do i speak up when i'm offended or how do i feel a part of a, a new community And I'm like, you know, what's wonderful. Like there are no right answers for sure. It's really about kind of what are some of the things you carry with you and how do you have the courage to, to, to understand and listen and speak when you're in these spaces. And they're kind of mad at me because they feel like the description tell, you know, I'm supposed to tell them that these three things lead you to that. And, and, and I, I, let them know that it's just it's this beautiful exploration that you'll be able to carry with you through life. And I feel mm-hmm. like, how can I get that broken bowl activity into my class? Because I feel like it, there's such power in having that, that takeaway. Um, do you now, a lot of our listeners are instructors and and run leadership programs. Do you have any other activity gems that you want to drop on us that you think might be a good idea to share to, to further that inclusive leadership uh, conversation? Mm-hmm.
2: Sure. Yes. Um, so that activity is the beginning. I, I had them in a safe situation, no hazard involved, but I had them break down a mark that we supplied for them. And then everybody got to share what are some acknowledge some of their own brokenness, some of the pieces, some of the thing they're holding. And then as they, um, really in 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 a very artistic creative way of put pieces back together, they had to share some of their reflections and how does it feel and how the final product even look like some somebody couldn't even um put the um, bottom of a cup bag and say, oh my God, my cup still has a hole, but that's okay. So s- sometimes we go through experiences that our cups has a hole and we still um, navigate through life. Um, so that's um, probably one activity. And I um, the one activity that this year, I also shared that LEA was um, the metaphor of tree of life and um i really enjoy that activity because um because of the visual power and creative power that has um and um i would ask everybody imagine your life um as a tree and i like i really enjoy the metaphor of a tree because it's um it's life it's just it goes through seasons and it prepares itself for the next one, right? We, all, we don't always have to bloom. We can sometimes um, hold our own sorrows or grief or um, go through seasons like any other part of the nature. But I ask everybody to think about the roots and begin with the roots because that's what um, grounds you and what makes you grounded. Um, makes the foundation of you. If um, your roots are things that you value the most or things that you belong to or your family or part of your education or anything that really make you grounded as a human being, that goes in the roots. Um, And then the trunk of the tree is the identity you choose to show up with. We all, again, it's talking about intersections of our own identities. What what is the identity that I bring? I bring being a woman of color. I bring um, being an educator. I bring being an immigrant, right? I bring um, being your first child of, Um, two parents who are retired teachers. I bring all those things with me no matter what I do um, so I can realize what are some of the things that I absolutely care for and then um, I would ask everybody invite everybody to think about their fruits and the flowers on their trees as anything that they want to to accomplish, as if after 100 years, this was their last week in this lifetime, Um, with no shame, with no guilt. If you want a fancy ocean view house, that's okay. That's what you want. If you want to write 10 books, that's also what you want. If you want to build an institute to work around social justice or Be a UN ambassador or anything that you want is for you, and nobody else needs to judge that. Um, So I would have everybody to think about those outcomes, those accomplishments. But after doing that, I would invite everybody to think about what are the nourishments that comes to their life. Um, As if your water, your tree needs water or sunlight. What are your sunlights? Anything extra that along the way helps you out. And then on the other side, also acknowledge the shadow, what are the threats? Uh, was there a thunderstorm in your town and then your tree needed to repair itself? It was, it's not, even for trees, it's not easy um, to grow, but they have to overcome and they have to be. Um, so that's that's one and I, I enjoy it and I renew my own tree every couple of years just to see you know like what is it that I'm doing and the power of intention and the power of recentering myself and and getting connected um back to my core because I think that's also one thing that I learned from Otto Sharma in in his theory you um that how um you can connect to the source of being you and um and how who you are and what you do is somehow connected and needs to be interconnected. Um, that's just such a beautiful metaphor as a you that he uses and works with many different cultures and understanding and diverse perspective. So um that's another That was a surprise. I didn't know you were gonna ask me that question. <laughs> We're full of surprises. Well,
1: you gave such a great activity response and you answered like a pro. You're like, yeah, I got this other activity and we're all mesmerized. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to draw my tree after we get off this this episode.
2: Totally do. It's good. It worth it. I promise you.
0: Yeah. No, I remember as a, even as a, you know, as a facilitator, that was, that was one of the activities where I was like, all right, I need a break from being a facilitator. And I remember when it was your session and we all, when you let us through that on Zoom and it was it's great. It's it's just a, it's thoughtful, it's introspective, it's extremely critically reflective, and it has so many it has so many elements to it. And, and I love that. And I hope that our, our listeners get an opportunity to to maybe give that a try in, in their in their classes where they see it connects with the learning outcomes of, of what they're doing. I, I love that. Thanks for sharing those those two activities with us and I love how they how they go together. We asked you about all kinds of different things and you shared so much with us. Is there anything else that we didn't ask you that you want to share with our leadership educator listeners?
2: That's really something that you didn't ask me, but Lauren mentioned something that I really enjoyed because when you're, um, you mentioned that your students ask for a, one solution to this thing and there's no simple solution yet. Like you didn't make their life easier. Um, and I'm just always reminded of um, practicing daily practicing this whole concept of adaptive leadership and for many things that we face, especially this pandemic, right? Nobody knew this is going to look like this now. It's almost end of 2021. I can't even believe this, right? Or so many other problems with the racial injustice that is happening, with the critical conversations that we are having, um, right right here in this country in the United States right now, and um, with a lot of things that is going on around the world with the economy, with again, health issues, with homelessness issues in our cities, all of these problems, we don't have a simple solution. We don't have a very well-planned A to Z solution to come up. And I think what we can offer as um, leadership educators, leadership practitioners, Lifetime students is only working on our own consciousness and how we can really help raise consciousness of people around us. Because um, we have to somehow figure it out together. Nobody is trying to make our life easier like Lauren doesn't make the, her students' life easier. It's just these um challenges that are Evolving around us, and we have to adapt, and we have to always together come up with solution that doesn't exist that never existed before. Um, so I think if you ask me one thing, raising consciousness of our own, of the people around us, with full compassion that we could have, that's the one thing that um, I'm learning and I'm practicing. In- So that's it. I I
1: love that. I love that you shared that. That was today's lesson in class. So we, we watched Amy Edmondson's uh, she has a Ted talk um, on psychological safety. And one of the things she says in that is um, Abe Lincoln said, you know, if I don't like him, I have to get to know him. And it made me laugh because I said, how are y'all at that? You know, I asked Mike, I, you know, I pretty direct to them. I'm like, are y'all, are y'all good about doing that? If you don't like somebody, do you go up and befriend with them? And I think it's, it's what you said. And we talked about, well, maybe you don't like that person, but you still try to understand their perspective. And maybe you try to understand kind of why you, you don't get along with that, that person um, and understanding that, then helps you let go of some of that emotion behind it. And you can say, okay, I don't like it, but I get it. And I feel like that, that's this, the underlying part that, that I don't know that people are explaining in a way that's really meaningful. It's like, be nice and be kind. And I, I love that, but I got a little temper problem. And when you tell me that I'm just not gonna, you know, it's not going to evaporate like that. That's not how it works for me. And so when we had this conversation, it was like, yeah, okay. We cannot like them a little bit, but we still can recognize what they're going through. And I feel like that's like that first step. Um, I feel like sometimes I know my students kind of skip to, I got to now be this person's best friend. And I'm like, no, cause that's not authentic, but you know, here's what it looks like in practice. And so what you just said totally reminded me of that conversation. I did give them that answer in class, <laughs> but normally I don't give them, them the right answers. So thank you for sharing that as well as the other gems you dropped during our episode. Um, we appreciate you. you for joining us today, and we are grateful for your time and you, the work you do in leadership, and want to wish you the best of luck as you, you finish out this year. Um, and we'll be excited to kind of follow what you're doing as well.
2: Thank you so much. I'm extremely grateful for both of you for doing such an important work um, for everybody like me in this sector, and it's such a meaningful thing to offer. I appreciate you. So
0: much, I will do.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the leadership educator podcast. Remember you can download all our episodes on all available podcast platforms. And when you go, please make sure you rate us five stars as the more you rate us the easier it is for others to find
0: us. That's right, Lauren. We also invite you to interact with us on Twitter at lead educator pod. That's L E A D E D U C A T O R P O D. And on LinkedIn by searching for the leadership educator podcast. You can also follow us on LinkedIn by name and on Twitter. I'm at dr underscore leadership and Lauren is at M-R-S-L-A-U-R-J-B. That's Miss Laura J-B.
1: We'd like to thank the James M. Cox, Jr. Institute for Journalism Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in New Strategy and Management.
0: And a wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matthew White, trumpeter composer and associate professor and chair of jazz studies now at the University of South Carolina. You can check him out at www.mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your musical genius with our listeners.
1: During the season, you will hear episodes featuring International Leadership Association members working globally to drive leadership education. Visit org slash podcast for more information and to join the association.
0: And finally, this podcast would not be possible without our chief partner, the Association of Leadership Educators. Please check out the ALE and all it has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. We hope you will listen to our next episode wherever you get your podcasts.